Hey everybody, this is TA. Welcome back to the Recourse Podcast. Happy September, or I guess happy whenever you're listening. <laughs> For me, it's September. We're finally home from all of our vacations and exciting summer ventures, and I hope you all had a wonderful summer as well. And as we look forward to the fall, I am so excited because I have so many great episodes coming up for you and amazing conversations. And today is by far no exception to that. My sister-in-law, Amber Pankratz, and I finally sat down to have a conversation. I mean, I have been bugging her since I started this podcast, Um, and we finally sat down. We had a conversation about our faith, about our family, about how we were raised and how that impacts who we are um, in our marriages and with our children and parents and as friendships, how we serve within our communities, and I just always, always appreciate um, conversations with Amber and As a listener, I think you're going to enjoy it too. So let's jump right in with Amber. How are you feeling? Great. (laughs) Okay. So the fun part for me is always the opening question of how do we know each other? We know each other through my sister who introduced you to my brother. Oh, you went the long route. Now, so now you are my sister-in-law. You lucky duck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first time we met? I think it was in one of the dorms where you, where you were. Did you come to North Dakota? Well, I was in North Dakota. Well, I mean, did you come visit Rebecca? I think and so. I was, yep. I was trying to put place that the other day because I don't remember. I never came to your place in Minot. Right. But I remember meeting you at some point and being very scared of you. Because <laughs> I tend to be naturally scary no just um how do I put this in this way like you're just a very confident and stable person and I'm like oh she probably thinks I'm silly or loud and nope not at all (laughs) I will tell you one secret thing that Rebecca told me that made me also very intimidated did I ever tell you the story no um I remember she had shared about she had come to visit you and you were excited because you were on a, you were very regimented in your diet and exercise and you had been only eating fish and you were so excited for Rebecca to get there because you got to eat pizza. And I remember being very intimate, like, oh, she's so like strict and very like structured and I'm just not that way. And so I remember feeling like, Ugh. I don't remember that time in my life. No? No, not at all. When we met... Did you know John at that point? Had you met him? I think. I don't know. Because I met him like in the spring of 2004. Okay. When did you and Matthew start dating? January of 2004. So you may, it was maybe, because I think it was in the winter. Yeah. When I met you. Yeah. So it was probably before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now, 17 years later, look at us. Mm-hmm. And we got married three weeks apart, yep. engaged a week apart. We've had like a very similar life trajectory in some ways, and in some ways, very completely different, which is why I'm excited that you were willing to come and chat with me today. Because one of the things that you and I often do when we get together is we do have some very in-depth conversations about life and family and our faith. And one of the things that I think often spurs on our conversations is some of the big differences we had growing up. And so I was hoping today that we could chat about what it's like now as women in our marriages and in our uh, role as mom, how we live out our faith 
having come from such different faith backgrounds. So I want to start by asking you, how did you come to Christ? I know you grew up in a Christian family, but that doesn't mean, you know, that you didn't have that moment for yourself. I just remember being very little and I'm guessing age five or six Mm -hmm. and telling my mom that I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. Mm -hmm. And so we prayed together at bedtime and then life went on. Of course, I, you know, I'm a kid, so I really wasn't probably that in tune to how I should be living my life. Um, but around age 12, I went to a Lowell Lundstrom crusade, and I was just overcome with this knowledge that I needed to deepen my relationship with God. And um, I was actually bawling, which I never cry. Mm-hmm. And I I'll test. I've never seen you cry. Yeah, I... <laughs> I couldn't stop, oh. even because they went forward and they brought me back to this room and they're going through track with me, and I I could not stop bawling, yeah. which doesn't happen. Well, what do you think caused that though? Like, what was the emotion that? I think that? it was probably just the Holy Spirit just moving in my life and convicting me of how I needed to live more for Jesus. Okay, and so do you think then that has? set that path for you then at that point? And it hasn't I think been... so. I mean, as a teen, you always have your ups and downs and, you know, we're selfish little beings even in that time. I definitely wasn't perfect, but I definitely knew how I wanted to live. Yeah. I had set standards for myself and not that that's what the Christian life is about, but following Jesus and doing what he wants, doing what's in the word, and then growing in that way. Because even when I went to college then, I just had certain things that I knew I was going to do and certain things that I wasn't going to do to help me stay on that path. Yeah. What were some of those things? Um, well, I was going to get involved with a church, mm-hmm. um, get involved with an on-campus ministry. Um, there were like some personal things that I wasn't going to do, like I had decided I wasn't going to drink. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't do that and really not go to parties, mm-hmm. um, and then really focus on my academics. Sure. Did you think going to a state college, because you went to UND, was that going to be a hindrance? Or was there a part of you that, I know for Matthew, a part of his choice in that was also like, not a way to test his faith, but also to kind of step out in his faith in some ways, because he was like, I have kind of lived in this little bubble, and it's time for me to... I think my personality was, was one where I had made that decision of how I was going to live. Mm-hmm. Would it maybe challenge me a little bit? Sure. But I already knew mm-hmm. how I was going to live. So I guess I'm not too, well, I don't know. It, I don't think I'm too easily swayed one way. I probably have a little bit of stubbornness in my life. Um, but no, I knew how I was going to live. So I, I don't think going to a Christian versus secular university probably would have changed that yeah. too much. And I think a lot of people do make that decision based on that of, I don't want that temptation or I want to continue. Or I think a lot of Christians also feel like if I don't go to a Christian university, I'm not going to get fed in right. the same way, or I'm not going to have uh, support in the same way. Right. Which is, is kind of a falsehood, I think, yeah. because it's very easy just to float along yeah. if you go to a Christian school because you're I think I'm not sure but I'm guessing you probably need to go to a chapel yep. and yep. but I know plenty of people that have gone to Christian colleges and then they mm-hmm. tell me you can do whatever you want yeah I mean the same as in a secular setting it's just how you decide 
you're going to live your life. Yeah, that's so. a great perspective of thinking through that. And once you were 12, though, it really became your own faith versus I'm doing this because my parents. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't mature. Yeah, well. But, yeah. A 12-year-old is. Right. <laughs> but I, I, I knew how I wanted to live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important distinction because I one of the things that have fascinated me, um, most people know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I didn't have that faith going forward through middle school, high school, and I didn't lean on it, somebody else's understanding of the Bible or faith. And so I know a couple of friends who did that their parents' faith just became their faith, and it wasn't until maybe much later in life that they finally figured that out. So 12 seems a little bit young, but I should say a little bit young, but still a good age to kind of connect the dots for yourself. To make and I that. think it's just awesome for you that you had enough gumption to really mm-hmm. seek things out really and seek out the Lord and yeah. when you didn't have your family's support because yeah. that would have been really hard because most kids want their parents approval and yeah. you know all that goes along with it and for you to really kind of seek it out on your own I think that's pretty cool yeah and my parents were pretty cool about it my parents had that kind of catholic background so they weren't opposed to faith and I think that was a big distinction for them is they were fine with that I don't think they loved that I went to a Christian college because I had made the same. I always say Matthew kind of stepped out in his faith to go to a state school, kind of test his faith and kind of break away from this little bubble that he had lived in. And I did the opposite. I was so in this other world that I wanted to kind of find my own structure and find my own foundation and things like that. I unfortunately had a pretty bad experience at a private college. So I mm-hmm. didn't walk away feeling like Oh, I felt so much better. Yeah. Like I, I really actually questioned my faith a lot after I left because it was, it was a really hard situation. Like, can you go into detail or I can yeah. <laughs> look at you asking me questions. Yeah. I mean, flip the table. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was it just, I always felt behind everybody. I wasn't oh. a pastor's kid or a missionary kid. I didn't grow up in a, mm-hmm. in a church. I didn't, it was as silly, as silly as we would be doing um, volunteer for a, vi- a vacation Bible school and they're like, we're going to sing all these songs and do all these things. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about or mm-hmm. what song that is, or even just simple Bible stories. And I like the distinction you and I had made earlier that we put them in the term of story. So they come across like less, more like fiction. Right. And so I was, you know, way behind in all of that. I didn't have that foundational piece in the same way. And my faith was so based on my relationship with Christ. And I hadn't done that legwork yet. Mm-hmm. And so I felt, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, just not a, in the cool kid click, I guess. As I said. Like I just wasn't a part of that. So that was really hard for me to walk away feeling like, well, that was so much better for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But I want to get to a part of the conversation of when you were then gone through college, kind of settled in your life, when you started looking for a partner, was it important to you to find a partner that, I mean, obviously had a foundation in Christ, but did it matter to you that his background or his family, were you nervous about that or thought through any of that? Well, a little bit because he's Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, any Baptist listening. (laughs) I had grown up Wesleyan, which is Arminian. Yeah, yeah. And theologically, it's, they're a little bit of odds. And so, like, my parents had always told me, don't go to a Baptist church. <laughs> and so then, you know, I had this Bible study, and I invited John's friend to come, who was interning where I was working at the time. And she didn't want to come by herself, so she brought 
general on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what church she went to, but it was definitely important to me that anybody that I would pursue a relationship would have to have a relationship with Jesus. Right. And after meeting John and discovering more about him, obviously it was of utmost importance for him. So. Yeah. So he would, he want, he was a little more concerned of wanting, um, somebody who also was raised in faith or did you guys have that conversation at all? We didn't have that conversation. Okay. That was important. That was something I know I thought about because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so to think about how as a mom, I raised my kid in faith mm-hmm. or vice versa. Like that was important. I know Matthew and I had a lot of conversations about that. And I think same thing. He never thought twice about it because he didn't. Right. He didn't know anything different. Right. Yeah. And so that was interesting to me. And I didn't know if that was something you'd even thought about or what Mm-mm, your world would like. So I think that makes a difference in some of the choices that we make mm-hmm. because I'm often processing how my parents saw the world and what they taught me versus what, and I always try to have grace of like, they did the best that they could with the situations that they had. Right. My parents right. really went through some tough stuff and were, did the best they can. And I think there's so many things I didn't even see that they shielded me from and stuff. So, so then coming along, finding John and getting married, was it everything you thought it would be and more? Oh, yes. <laughs> He's perfect in every way. John, did you hear that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pat yourself on the yeah, back. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, marriage is good, but it is hard. Yeah. What were some of the things you bought into that you were um, shocked to find out about marriage? Did you have any, like, misconceptions going in that you were like, oh, well, that's different? Well, I think just roles mm. that my dad filled. Sure. I had an expectation. Not, I, I didn't even realize it mm. really at the time, but that my husband would do that same thing within our family unit. Yeah. And maybe he wasn't comfortable doing that. Sure. You know? So, but maybe you had the same skill set sometimes or? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like my dad always took the car for an oil change. Mm-hmm. My mom never I don't think she ever did anything with it. So I just kind of had that expectation that my husband would take care of all the mechanical issues. Um, and not that he doesn't sometimes, mm-hmm. but I do <laughs> too. <laughs> so other than that, I don't know if there was anything mind-blowing. I mean, there's just things that you learn through marriage of um, that it's not always perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not always sweet times. We all challenge each other and grow and we irritate each other. Mm -hmm. And so how did you determine or how did you seek clarity that you were equally yoked with John when you were dating? Well, I, I knew, I mean, by him coming to this Bible study that I hosted, I just got to know more about him that way. And he was he seemed very solid and sincere in his faith. Mm-hmm. And then I met his family, and they were obviously very grounded in the Word mm-hmm. and um, diligent and growing as well. Um, I mean, regular church attenders, which doesn't mean a whole lot, but mm-hmm. it can to a point. Um, and just how he lived his life out on a daily basis yeah. was a big indicator saying that he was... He was wanting to know Jesus and grow in him. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a hard piece. I when somebody once told me when you're running towards Jesus, whatever pace you're running at, 
you'll look to your left or to your right and you'll see that person running that same pace with you. And mm-hmm. I remember, I really liked that visual, but I remember feeling that way, the way Matthew and I, especially like we would go to a service and you know, Matthew and I lived so far apart. So it was, it was harder for me to determine because we would not see each other throughout the week. And then we'd be together finally on a weekend and we'd go on a Friday night date and we'd right. hang out with our friends on Saturday. But we'd go on a Saturday night date. We go to church on Sunday and it was the conversations that we had after service mm-hmm. about what was said, what we knew, how we felt, mm-hmm. what we took away from the message. That's when I was finally starting to see those pieces of, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. we're on that same page about faith in the way that challenged me, but made me comfortable. And I challenged him in different ways. Like that mm-hmm. was important to me that we would be on that same playing field and that he wasn't like, what, you still think that? Like, right, you sure. immature little... Because that's, again, when I came out of that Christian environment, I I think I carried that with me for so long that I was never good enough, for, right, I guess is the best way to say it. So I was curious how that looked for you. So then you and John had the blessing of three wonderful children. Wonderful <laughs> children. Hey, I've been with them all week. They're great. <laughs> they're, they're not bad kids. They are good. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty special. How has parenthood hit you what do you feel about parenthood well it definitely makes you aware of your faults (laughs) and your imperfections and just makes you aware of what you don't know yeah I laugh only because it's a truer statement that's never been said (laughs) yeah I mean there are so many times I wish I could go back and change the way I reacted or responded to something Mm -hmm. that one of my children did yeah but all I can do is ask for their forgiveness and God's forgiveness. That's and right. we can both grow and learn from that. I mean, hopefully me, me more than them. But, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest. And I think we societally don't do that enough. And I don't know if it's a pride thing or a kind of an old school, like I'm I'm the adult and I don't have to do that. Right. And that change is so important. Um, also when you said that, I often think about parenthood of, it really gives me perspective on our parents in a way that I never had. Right. Yes. I think we talked about this earlier this week that again, there are so many things I know that my parents did and went through that I had no knowledge of or no, you know, I was a selfish little kid worried about my own little world. Right. And now when I see my kids, I'm always like, you have no idea. (laughs) Right. Well, just think about it. If your parents too, weren't necessarily... Jesus followers and what were they using to guide their parenting? So, I mean, not to say they did horrible things or anything like that, but I would almost feel maybe this is a little biased that you have a little foot up in the whole parenting Mm. thing because you know what it says Mm. in the word about how we should parent. Not to say that we're again, perfect by any means, but I think it would be helpful it does help ground you in a different way I agree with that um and I am very appreciative of having a partner that is in the same mindset Mm -hmm. Mm because that's the biggest thing I always think of my mom there was a time of her being a single parent and then being split between households and things like that and my dad also being single at one point and just doing the best that they could right that would be so hard yeah and I do think that they did the best that they could Mm -hmm. and so I, I don't ever want to underplay that they, you know, but it, like you said, there's, there is something different when you're raising a child in faith and 
uh, a friend of mine has put together, she does a, a ministry online called Kingdom Mama, and her big thing, she felt um, uh, called by the Lord to write a book because she was literally living in fear after she had kids. Fear of what? Just everything for her kids, like fear of what's coming next and fear of what's happening in the world and how to raise them and all those pieces. And she's really found deliverance in that. And so a lot of her ministry, she talks about that. She wrote a children's book about mm. that. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that we, in our perspective, it's not just, I gotta, you know, help them until I can't or whatever, but you're leading them through this process of uh, bigger things. I'm expecting them to a grow up, be independent, be productive, but more importantly, work and um, for the kingdom of God, so that they have eternal life and they have, mm -hmm. you know, that they mm -hmm. have that personal relationship with Christ at all times, and that so that they will be redeemed in Christ someday. Right. And it's a different perspective than I just want them to make good money and have a nice house. Animals <laughs> <laughs> are pretty nice too. <laughs> I mean, if those things come along, I'm not going to argue with them. But but if God calls them to a place where that's not going to happen, well, hopefully they follow that leading yeah. from the Lord. Yeah. But I mean, still, that would be hard as a parent. Because I even think of people that go into the ministry. I'm like, that is a very stressful mm. environment. And then having to raise funds, like if you're a missionary, how mm. stressful that would be. But... People thrive, too, in it, so... They do. I always think of people in ministry, the lens that they're put under, too, mm -hmm. of how we judge and expect even more from them. Mm -hmm. And I can speak specifically, like, um, our pastor, their children, they have five children, and they come from um, a split family, because our pastor's wife had passed away, and then when he remarried, she had children, he had children, and so mm -hmm. Brady bunched it together. Um, and they have children that aren't with the Lord right now. Mm -hmm. And that perspective of we can do, um, what it says in the old Testament to raise a child in the way of the Lord and they won't, you know, depart and then from they'll it. come back. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it's that sense of there's a point as a parent that you go, I can do what I can do. And right. I got to trust that God's going to do the rest. Like I can't. Right. Nail them to the right. cross myself. You in know? the end, it's yeah. their decision it and is. you can only live is Christ's life like a life as you mm. can, right. and then ultimately God's in control. We've talked about this a little bit again throughout the week. I feel like we kind of prepped for this conversation, but some of that legalism too of where we're like, but there's people who would be like, but they're just not good enough. They're not Christian enough, or they're not faithful enough because their kids aren't following Christ or whatever. And that makes me really sad that we hurt each other in that way, or we have those conversations of assumptions of of spiritual matters in the human realm. Yeah, because ultimately control. we don't know what's going on in their family 100%. unit. 100%. Or, yeah. and we have no control, uh, we have no idea what's going on in those kids' hearts. Right. For all we know, they might be closer to the Lord than we are. Right, right, <laughs> true. When I just think of, like, I know a family growing up where the mom and dad, I mean, they were kind of giants mm -hmm. to me as far as within the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. um, they just were solid believers that you could tell that they loved the Lord. They lived it out. They were sharing Jesus with other people, but then you look at their kids mm. and there was just a lot of mistakes yeah. that these kiddos were making. And they're all grown up. They're older than I am. Um, but you just wonder why, why? Yeah. And I don't know how they're really living yeah. now. Um, 
but I'm, I'm hoping that they're all coming back yeah. to their relationship with the Lord, but I don't know, but it's just like, why? Yeah. And we'll, I'll never have an answer. And I'll, you know, ultimately I don't know what's in their, their heart, but I can only see what's, I guess the fruit that's been produced, yeah. but you just hope and pray that, yeah, I mean that there's more going on within their heart than I can see. But I think it's a good lesson to think about even those who are seeming super fruitful. We don't know what's going on in nope. their heart. And the assumptions or, that we yep. make about anybody mm-hmm. is very dangerous. Place or like to... what was going on at the, in the home. Yeah. 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 I have a, a good friend and she always shares a story of um, one of her best friends and they went through church together and their kids were around the same age and they were just, she's like the family that you kind of looked to that was the, the best family in mm-hmm. the church and also like just the most faithful and volunteered the most and kindest, like just like literally the kindest people you'd ever meet. Their daughter unfortunately committed suicide um, as a junior in high school and it was one of those moments when she was like, you don't know anything. You no. don't know what's yeah. going on in people's oh, hearts I can't and minds. Imagine. Yeah, and, and, she's, and that was I think the first time she had fear for her own kids of I never would have expected that daughter who is just, she was on the ski team. She was, yeah. you know, very involved and very, you know, bubbly and kind. And But we don't know what's going on in anyone's hearts and minds. And that's scary. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. really rocked her. Like to, to talk, even share that story for her was really hard and really, you know, very much like, I feel like I'm in control. And that maybe that's a whole conversation about control. And we think we're manipulating everything to be aligned and perfect. And so that right. we can make sure our kids are doing all the right stuff and right. all those pieces. Well, I know it's still a concern for me today. Cause like, I, I feel like my kids are doing pretty well, yeah. but when they get to be an older teenager and into adulthood, mm-hmm. it's their decision of how they live their life. So that's all we can do. All we can do then is pray yeah. that, that the Lord will continue to draw them closer to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my one or one of my one, one of my concerns, I should say, about my kids as they get older. Because, like, we've talked about it before, but, like, there's that book, Mom Bear Apologetics, mm-hmm. and they talk about how, you know, in years past, it's always been that they talk about kids leaving the church in college. They leave the house, and then they they head off into the, yeah. you know, into their career, whatever. But really, for them just to that easily leave something hasn't been grounded right and that what they said in this book it's like 40 percent or something of kids are really leaving the church but in the middle school and high school years mentally they're still going physically because their parents like are requiring it or whatever but they've just kind of checked out yeah. and it's like oh man that's where we really need to make sure that our kids are understanding why right we said you were 12. That's the age when you started clicking in of this mm-hmm. is about me yep. and what I'm choosing and what I'm thinking about. And I became I became a Christian when I was a junior in high school. Same thing. It was like when I was starting to like, what does my life look like? And what do I want for my future going forward versus just, I mean, my parents make me go every Sunday and every Wednesday right. or and volunteer on, we got to go rake leaves or whatever. Right. Um, there was a family in our church that um, they had, I think, six kids. And they, um, all of a sudden I was seeing them less and less and the mom used to play cello in our church and things like that. And I was like, 
why haven't I seen that family? And what we found out was they had, their kids had connected with some other people and were going to a different youth group. They had found a group of people that, whatever. And the parents decided it was more important that their kids were clicked in and the parents could make that decision to go to a different church because if their kids were being fed at that church, it right. was more important than forcing them to come to a church that they wanted to or was closer. Right. And I, at first was like, I don't know if I would do that. And then I was like, actually, now that my kids are getting older, yeah, I think I would do that. It's like choosing what school they go to. I would choose a school based on what their needs are. Mm-hmm. And if they're finding and being fed in an appropriate, right. biblical-based way at this church versus this right. church, yeah, why What's what? Why? Why would I want to stop that? Or it should motivate you to try and affect change at your current church. Because yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Why are your children not yeah. being engaged? Why are they wanting to go somewhere else other than their friends or somewhere? Right. I mean, is there something that can be done to change the program yeah. and encourage kids to want to come? Yeah. And it could be, my feeling for this family specifically, is that they were way more mature, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And... Um, our youth group wasn't giving them enough, oh, if that okay. makes sense. Yep. And I don't think what our youth group is doing is bad at all. And mm-hmm. I'm very happy with what they do and all that. But it seemed like they wanted a more, almost like they were ready for like a college age campus crusade oh, type boy. small group conversations yep. and stuff. They didn't want to play kickball and then that's have awesome. a lesson. <laughs> you know, but that's what I'm saying. They weren't being fed enough. And so yeah. then you're like, well, well then yeah, follow where your kids need yeah. versus... You know, versus, no, they talk too much at our church about the Bible. I want to go over here where they play kickball more. Right, which is what most, I think, are. Like, most, they want to play games, they want to eat, which is all fine, but Mm -hmm. ultimately, what's the reason for being there? Right. Yeah. So that's where I, but that was the first time I ever thought about that, too, of like, well, I'm the parent, and I'm, they're going to go where we have decided is going to work for them. And it was the first time that I started thinking about, well, by the time my daughter is, and Bryn's going to be middle, or she's in the middle of middle school right now. If at by a junior, like even tenth grade, if she starts finding connections in other places, or even if it is a friend group that pulls her to a different church, mm-hmm. but she's getting fed there, mm-hmm. I would not be opposed to her maybe serving in a different space or attending a different group. So, do you think you would follow though? It depends on what's happening with the boys, because it is a hard thing as a family to split. But maybe it would be. Some Sundays we're there, some Wednesdays mm-hmm. here, some, you know, like mm-hmm. I just think maybe that's the benefit of our society now or our group that we have so many more choices. So I think that even like going back to school, like we're just so lucky to have so many school choices. Same thing with church. There's so mm-hmm. many activities and different things that you can do now with different groups. That... The only drawback I see is just that s- splitting of the family yeah, instead of being worshiping together in one spot. Um, there's just that separating which would be hard I think I get that but remember we talked about one of the things I would I would push back on that comment is is that if the church is the main feeding ground then what are you doing at home true so true that's but where that I would Sunday be okay I feel like is a is an important time yeah to kind of gather together with like-minded believers and not saying the other church no. isn't yeah. no. but just as a family yep because you are that core group there yeah. it'd be hard I think to let my kid go off to another church. I mean, it no, might I, be great. Yeah. And when yeah. the situation arises, I guess that's something we'll have to think about. Well, but. and that's the whole thing. You have to make those decisions. And maybe it's seasonal. Maybe during the school year, it's this way. And during the summer, it's this way. Or maybe it's just Wednesday nights and not Sunday. You know, right. It's all hypothetical in, in the end. But the right. sense of, 
even just having that conversation is a door that I never knew we'd walk through or think through. Mm-hmm. Like I just always thought, yeah, our kids are going to go where we go and right. they're going to have to, you know, right. deal with whatever it is. But the first time we ever thought of that was Matthew and I went to, before we've been at the, our current church for 10 plus years, the church before that was a church plant and it was a wonderful church. I wouldn't say him and I felt super fed at that church. Like it was I remember great, it. it was like, <laughs> do you remember <laughs> the church? We were in the, <laughs> the worship after, <laughs> but we were like in a, at a school gym and we'd yep. have to set up and tear yep. down every week and which is fine. And you're, it's good with that. But the attendance never changed. It wasn't like it was growing. Right, and then, right. and the nursery had like two kids. And I remember when Bryn was born, I'm going, you know, and it was like, yep. oh, you're the mom with the baby. You should run the nursery. And you're oh, like, no. no, that's not. And so that's what was one of the big catalysts that moved us off yep. of that church was I wanted our kids. And we don't have, we don't have um, our parents or your parents or you. Rebecca now finally lives in Minnesota. But at that time, we had no family right. in Minnesota. So we didn't have anybody else that was pouring into our kids. Right. So we had to find that through community. Right. And so yeah. we, we like We've been very blessed to be where we've been and have yeah. that opportunity. So. Yeah, that's great. I know at our church, um, there's been a couple of families that have left when their kids were in elementary school because they were concerned about the youth program. Mm. I'm like, okay, I understand you want something better for your kids. Mm. But if you see a problem now, like kind of we talked about earlier, what can you do to help it grow yeah. and change and improve? Leaving doesn't necessarily help. And will it be greener over there yeah. where you're going to go maybe maybe yeah. it'll be great but i don't know it's just hard no matter and each family has to do what they feel called to do but you know i was just really disappointed i was like oh no another family's leaving but i mean i feel like it's it's continuing to grow so hopefully do you feel my not is a little bit out of the bakken area that you don't have maybe you feel like you do have a lot of oil we do. Um, do you feel like that affects your church culture? Uh, no. Not the oil field itself. We have a lot of military. Uh, so that's kind of hard because I know, like, my son has had a couple of really good friends. They're here for three years or two years, and then they're gone. Uh, and so that can be really hard. Because, um, I mean, they're in middle school, so are they going to keep up for forever? Best Probably friends for life. <laughs> So I can remember his first friend. I mean, he was young enough, I think, third or fourth grade, where he was sad, but it wasn't too sad. And now this last year, he had another buddy leave. Mm. And it's just like, it's it's hard to see him go. So I think the military is, families are, yeah. I mean, they're great families. I always tell them, I'm like, it's so great to get you awesome people in, but then you leave. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> yep. And is that contractually how the military yep. works there? Mm-hmm. Most are probably three to five, but if you are a commander of any sort, it's like every two years you move, Oof. at least talking to my one friend. So yeah. mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to some of that conversation about being raised in faith. How has it been having your parents as grandparents? I guess I don't even know how to answer that. Maybe I'll put it in this context, being faith leaders. So the, do you think your parents make different or have made different choices or would want you to make different choices based on how they? No. Um, like we kind of had a conversation about my parents mm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just about some health challenges mm-hmm. and how that's affected yeah. like their walk. Um, and I don't want to go too deep no. into that, no. but um, like I feel that itself has probably hindered mm-hmm. their influence spiritually, at least I feel like on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is pretty solid, but he's not um, real loud or expressive with his faith. Like when we go and visit, he will be reading his Bible at the kitchen table when he's eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to church, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, at Christmas time, he always reads a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, I wouldn't say that um, his faith is always something that he's talking about. Right, but I think his faith is played out. <clears throat> excuse me. I think his faith is played out through his actions, like how yeah. he treats people. Yeah, I, true. One of the biggest things, I think, for your parents from my perspective, looking as an outsider looking in was the way he treated your, your grandmother, your mom's mm-hmm. mom, Audrey, mm-hmm. in that he just, you know, some people and parents, like when your parents get older, it's a burden to, yeah. to take and it care. wasn't never, no. never. Yeah. It was just like, we're having supper. Yeah. Oh, I'll go get, I'll go get Audrey. And yep. it's not a short drive to go get your grandma. It was like, right. you know, a 15 minute, you know, um, yep. and Never once I've yeah. ever saw Early him, Christmas morning, yep. he would yep. drive out and yep. get her. Yep. Yep. I think those are the things that I see in your parents so much that they, and who they take care of and who they uh, talk to and minister to and call and mm-hmm. catch up with and stop in and see. Like we were just with your parents and your dad's like, well, I should go into town and talk to someone. It's like, it's an effort from your parents' house to go into town and to talk to, and I think our generation's like, oh, I'll give them a call. Yeah, I'll, I'll no. text them. Yep, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, well, I'm going to just go stop in. On. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it, it's a very old school North Dakotan culture, but it's, right. I think those are the pieces that you see their faith built Probably. out. Probably, yeah. And so that they're... See, it's good to have other people's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's good. Well, because I was going to ask, then how do you see that in your in-laws? Because your in-laws were also, were right. also faith-based. Um, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law has been, he passed away maybe three years ago. And um, my mother-in-law is very strong in her faith. She, I mean, she talks about her quiet times. She is consistently learning Bible verses. She is just a very strong woman of God. And so mm-hmm. that is shown definitely um, I would say pretty much daily or with many interactions with our kids, which yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah. The reason I brought that up again is the, I feel like that's a such a different perspective than our world because your parents obviously get to have that relationship with my kids in that way, that mm-hmm. my kids see them go to church and stuff. But we also live so far away. Yeah. So their interaction with our kids is much more minimalized. And then even for my parents who aren't faith-based or don't have a consistent faith that they go to church every Sunday, I think my parents have their own faith in their own ways, so I don't want to negate those things. But it doesn't look the same. And the same thing, they live even further away. Mm -hmm. So our our kids are not getting that, again, other older people in our own family to pour into them in the same way. So I'm always curious because your mom even kind of made that comment to me one time, but like, not knowing our kids as well right. and feeling not guilty or, but a little regretful of that of like, it kind of stinks. And that's just the situation because of where we chose to live. Right. And that is a unfortunate piece for us as well. Like we, we feel that too. Right. Yeah. No, I get so that. I think that's a blessing for you to have that. And you guys went to the same church that 
John's parents. Yep, we do. How's that? Yep. It's great. Sounds good. Well, Linda goes to the early morning service. Oh. <laughs> And I usually go to the later service. Do they do different songs during the service? Yep, because the first service is traditional. Okay. I mean, this summer we actually went to quite a few early services. Okay. Just because the way the day played out. But Mm -hmm. normally we go to the later service, which is more contemporary. So, What do you think about that? I was talking to your dad about this because of some of the issues they've been talking through with their church. And I think there was a question of like, well, it should only be hymnal and traditional songs, because that's the right way to worship God. There's a lot of hymnals or hymns yeah. that are not sound theologically either. What? Yeah. Amber. So, I mean, you really have to mm. study each song as mm-hmm. it comes, whether it's a contemporary worship song or a hymn, and see what the words really mean and what they're saying, and then make the decision like, yes, this is something that agrees with our statement of faith. I know my husband, he does a lot of that, and... Uh, I think he does a pretty good job. He so. does do a good job. I also appreciated, we had a conversation this quite a while back, because you had brought up some worship songs of like, well, have you heard this one? Well, that's written by this very large group. church group. Yeah. And some of the ways that they have been presenting themselves within their services and things like that, and how they right. represent the Holy Spirit within that service. You're right. Going, it's starting to very be very performance-based and very inauthentic to being right. a truly authentic worship experience or holy to God. Mm-hmm. I think those things are, I always feel like you're on the, I don't say cutting edge, but I feel like you're always on the next thing of what's happening and also, um, growing. Like I never feel like anytime we talk, you're like, yep, it's the same. Yeah. It's changed. <laughs> Continuing to learn more faults about myself. <laughs> okay. Give me one fault about yourself, Amber. Oh man, I'm impatient. I don't see that. Oh yes. I am. Well, you must mask it well when we're here. No, I'm not impatient with you. Well, maybe you are and you just, just Like, we talked about my job. There's, you oh, know, changes sure. that I I feel shouldn't be made or should be made and mm-hmm. just impatient with leadership at times. Sure. So but. how do you work on that? Or what does that look like for you when you get convicted on something like that? Well... All I can do is, like, if we're talking about my job, is I need to do the best ethically that I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it comes to a point of an issue with my employer, then we'll have to have a conversation. But I want to do the best for my employer and the best for my patient. Right. So. That sounds good. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Talk to me a little bit about... um, community for you what does it look like being a woman in the church being a mom being a wife but how are you finding fellowship and community for yourself well I host a bible study Mm -hmm. and I have for like 10 years maybe I don't know maybe not quite that long do you provide the snacks every week oh good well wait we've given up snacks (gasps) what I'm not coming to your bible study we have coffee and that's it Um, no, it'll be, I think nine years this year. Um, so, and we've, I've had a solid group of ladies that have, that have come for just about the entire time. Um, so that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm involved with our women's leadership within the church. So I help plan like this car care clinic to kind of help, um, the ladies within our community who, maybe don't have the finances available to make 
simple repairs on their car. And then meeting with some of those women is another way to kind of establish community for them. And then myself too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just regularly going to church and going to some of these other events that some of the other ladies that plan things. Do you find yourself to be a person that needs community? Uh, no, not really. I'm pretty <laughs> much an introvert. <laughs> Truthfully, it kind of takes me a lot to go to some of those events. Like we were talking yeah. earlier about the ladies' teas. I just yeah. kind of groan. And Terry Ann <laughs> just like, this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> well, I well, okay, I have to tell you, I've been really kind of pressing in on Matthew on this because... A, we feel like we need to join a small group because we haven't been in a small group in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And we use that excuse that we had small kids and hobby and right. adoption. and all. There's, you know, a million things that we can come up with. And we also volunteer in a lot of other ways. So it's like we're spending a lot of time doing other things. So we're like, right. we don't need to do that. But I was like, I have recently gotten back into um, women's ministry and specifically women's Bible study. And it was something I, I was really missing. And I really want Matthew to find that piece. Mm-hmm. And he's like you. He's like, meh. I'm kind of good. Yeah. I think a Bible study. Yeah. Like of women is really good for me just to kind of keep me in tune with other women. And I think the same for like John, like he did an every man a warrior Bible study for a while. And it was really good for him to connect Mm -hmm. with other men within the church and not just him having to be the leader all the time. Um, so I think it's good to do that. Now we were in a small group for a while but it was like pulling teeth to get mm. people to come it and commitment. Yep. And I just felt like it was another thing to kind of do. So that kind of fell apart after maybe a couple of years. Um, and I felt like it, that season had kind of passed. Now later in her life, maybe it will be sure. time to join another small group. But for right now, um, our, the Bible study is really good. And I feel like myself and the other ladies are really growing through what we've studied. Yeah. Well, I will say the reason that I keep kind of pressing this in on Matthew is that to me, he might feel like what he gets out of Bible study might not be very much, Mm -hmm. but what he brings to Bible study and gives to somebody else Mm -hmm. might be life-changing. I just feel like he has insight and he has wisdom and he has patience and he has, you know, like he might not be the loudest guy in the group, but what he does bring, you never know who needs to hear sure and he might be surprised about what he can learn yeah um i liked the way somebody had put it one time we were talking about moses i think most people think about how moses and they can think about how he wasn't obedient or all these amazing things that he did but i think the biggest lesson i always take away from moses is god couldn't answer other people's prayers unless moses moved unless moses was obedient Mm. it's like Mm -hmm. so i often think about whose prayers can God answer? Or what ways when God, when I'm obedient to God, how is that God using that to affect so many other people? Mm-hmm. And if I don't, right. and I don't want to take that too far the other way of like, you know, people are so blessed because I move right, or, right, or like, right. the, yeah, like nobody can get good things unless I do. I don't mean it that way. But I, I just, it was a, it was a change of thought for me that it's not about what can I get, but also, right. you know, when how I How can do, you bless others? Right. Or, mm-hmm. God is like, I, I have a reason and mm-hmm. that reason is these that might be to serve these other people. So that's why I often tell Matthew's like, but you could be blessing somebody so much. Even if you're just, I mean, being there and you say that one sentence and you're right. like, you didn't get anything out of that whole message. Right. Well, like there's one gal in my Bible study that she doesn't say a lot, but when she does, it's usually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice when yeah. she has a word or two to say. Yeah. Well, I had a good friend in the 
in the women's website that she sells us. She's like, she's like, I, and she doesn't. She very, very rarely participates. It feels like she doesn't participate, but she always feels like she gets so much. Mm -hmm. And she's just in that season. She needs to take it in. Like she right. needs to, you know, she's not, you know, maybe she doesn't feel she's at the level to share or whatever. Or that's just not the way God uses her to process that information. Like I know I talk a lot during Bible study and I apologize for all the women in my Bible study because I do, but that's how I process. Like mm -hmm. that's how I think through like, oh, that makes more sense to me now because of blah, 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 right? right? And I'm sorry that sometimes they have to go on that journey with me. <laughs> Their eyes are probably wide open after you Oh, they probably piece. go, girl, you didn't figure that out like when we read that five minutes ago. <laughs> They're very kind and they're very nice to me, but sometimes I can hear myself go, okay, just, you can talk about this. Yeah. So <laughs> no. how many ladies are in your study? Um, in the small, so we have a large group that meets and we often do a, you know, a video or something connection and then we break out into oh, small groups. Okay. Yeah. And so in the small group, there's probably eight to 10 women. Oh, so it's still pretty big. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then there's four or five groups. Okay. So, and it, it was really nice. Um, actually... And I had Anne on the podcast earlier too, but Anne is the pastor's wife and she was in my small group. And I asked her directly, you know, when people see that, you know, like you get the list of who's in your group and they see Anne Johnson, are they, has anybody ever said like, oh, or yeah, like, right. I'm nervous now that I have the pastor's wife, I can't right. say that. And she was very kind. She's like, I don't, I don't think so. Nobody's yeah, ever said, I was like, yeah. yeah, cause I mean that. They're uh, more spiritual. She's yeah. a pastor. Yes. Or you can't say that. I'm really struggling with because I don't want her to know that about right, me. Right. She's not that way at all. And I've not noticed that in our group at all, but I, I kind of laughed because I, I imagine there are people that might, mm -hmm. that might be a hindrance for them. Yeah. Yep. Whereas I'm kind of an open book and I verbally vomit all over them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a lovely image? That's, that's great. At least you can see something from it. Yeah. Well, I liked asking about community because I feel like that's something that we can let fall by the wayside as busy mm -hmm. women. Yep. You really do have to be intentional. Yeah. Well, and it's good to hear that you are also intentional knowing that's not, I don't want to say it's not like you don't want friends or don't enjoy right. the community, but it's definitely not something you need nearly as much as maybe as like me. As you. Yeah. yeah. When I think we shared this before when I made the decision to leave teaching and be a stay at home mom. That was one of Matt's biggest concerns. Right. Yes. Is that you were a social butterfly. Yes. And that didn't bode well for us when we lived overseas and I didn't have a job right away. Right. I was... remember you talking about how Matthew would come home and he would just tuck, 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 tuck. And he's like, ah. Well, that was really the first year of marriage too. So oh, it was yeah. also that whole, oh man, we fought over all the roommate stuff. Like, cause that's, we did the same thing where we brought in all that, the baggage of but this is how I live because we both lived single lives. Right. We both lived by ourselves. We were very we were single before we got married, so it was like we had, you a had lot. your way of doing things. Yes. Yeah. And same thing. Like my mom did that, and your dad did that, and mm -hmm. whatever. But also, just we're in a foreign country, and we don't even have a fridge. And how am I supposed to go grocery shopping and make meals? And how am I supposed, you know, like so it was a very awkward, weird life we were living on top of trying to figure out how to be roommates and partners and. I didn't have a job and he did and the language and I mean, the yeah. whole thing was a mess, but I often credit it that being the reason that we were able to learn how to communicate so efficiently. Yeah. It's probably a point where it's going to make or break you. I think so. Yeah. I really could have seen it going the other way for other mm -hmm. people or mm -hmm. maybe even us if it had gotten to a point, but right. I felt protected and blessed. I think a lot of people were praying for us. So that's important. Yes.
but it also maybe set us up to a little bit be used to this idea of also like we I think you've heard me say this a lot this week I always call my kids team I always say good job team like we're a team like I just really like that idea and aspect that Matthew and I are equal partners and we are a team mm-hmm. our kids are now part of that team and that we can't do this without you know yeah. that interdependentness of needing each other without being codependent that right. makes sense yeah because all of that leads us still back to Christ and that is a center of our life but it's a nice it, it set us up for a good foundation mm-hmm. in that for sure if that makes sense it does so you survived your first podcast my first your first Oh boy. What are we going to talk about next? Cross stitching? <laughs> oh. You are a pro cross stitcher. I am. <laughs> are you working on anything now? It's one of my talents. Yeah. Um, it's been in the closet for like a year. Oh. Yeah, it's been a while. It'll make its resurgence. No, no competitions or 4 H programs in the no, near future. No, for I you. tell my patients I've got really two main talents. I'm good at finding my way to places, so directions, uh-huh. and poking people. That's about it. You have wrenched into my neck yep. quite a few times. Yep. Like, talent. It is a talent. It's very sore the next yes. day. <laughs> that shampoo hurts the next day. But I do appreciate you sharing about your faith in life and wisdom that you have. It was a pleasure, Terry Ann. You did a great job. Amber. Oh, thank you. All right. Till next time. Bye. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why she was so hesitant. She did a fantastic job. And again, those kind of conversations are just invigorating and encouraging and challenging. And I don't know, I just love that. And I appreciate that again. Thank you, Amber, for being willing to share, to dig deep, talk about our family in that way and um, share your heart in a lot of ways. So, all right. Listener, I'll see you next week. We got a lot of great episodes coming up, so stay tuned. Make sure you like, subscribe. Feel free to leave me a message. Check out the recourse.com website for more information and past episodes, and I will see you all soon. Have a great day, everybody.